0: You're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're turning our attention to policies addressing victims of crimes in New York. And our guest is Alice Hamblett, a senior policy manager for Common Justice, an advocacy and service organization. Welcome to the show, Alice.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So the state senate recently approved legislation addressing eligibility for victim compensation funds. Can you explain how this measure, if enacted into law, would promote more equitable access to critical resources for victims of crimes?
1: Victim compensation is money that's awarded to survivors of violence to help them recoup costs associated with their harm. It's state and federally funded and the Office of Victim Services or OVS is the agency in New York State that's responsible for distributing this money to victims and survivors. It can be used to help pay medical bills if you were injured during a crime or needed to stay in the hospital. If a person who harmed you has access to home or your apartment, Victim compensation funds can be used to get your locks changed or perhaps to relocate. They can also help with crime scene cleanup, essential personal property replacement. And in tragic circumstances where people lose their loved ones to violence, it can help them pay for burial expenses. And these funds are hugely important to healing because nobody wakes up and thinks that they'll become a survivor today. And they're also really important to stopping cycles of violence because we know when people have the resources they need to heal, they're less likely to commit crime for survival and they're less likely to commit crime in retaliation. That all being said, the Fair Access to Victim Compensation Act is focused on breaking down barriers that victims and survivors currently face to accessing these funds, in particular, the barrier that they have to report their harm to law enforcement in order to access them, and expanding upon the amount of time that they are allowed to report their harm and to file for compensation.
0: Well, your organization looked at claims uh, submitted between 2018 and 2020 for victim compensation. So what did that data mine and, and analysis operation uh, tell you about the need for legislation like this?
1: So from the beginning of eighteen through the end of 2020, we learned that about a third of claims for victim compensation were denied. But even more glaring is that Black, Latinx, and American Indian and Alaskan Native New Yorkers were less likely to be awarded compensation than their white counterparts. In addition, we dove deeper to look at assaults in New York City and found that while there were just over 200,000 assaults in the city in those same years, there were only about 5,000 claims for uh, compensation. And that's only around 2.5% of assaults, right, that had these claims. And this tells us that not enough people know about the funds, not enough people are applying for the funds, but also this lack of applications for assault in New York City was also characterized by racial and ethnic disparities. So assault applications in New York City were significantly less common for people of color than for white people. Evidently, the communities who need to know about this service the most either don't know about it or are just from applying to receive it due to barriers like this police reporting requirement.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about the police reporting requirement and how the legislation that moved through the Senate addresses that. Would it now just create alternative pathways to reporting so that someone could still get compensation?
1: That's exactly it. So what the Fair Access to Victim Compensation Act does is that it introduces two alternative forms of evidence that victims and survivors could use to demonstrate to the Office of Victim Services that a crime has occurred and thus receive these funds. So victims and survivors can use, if this bill is passed and signed into law, a statement from a victim service provider or a court-ordered order of protection to demonstrate to OVS that a crime has occurred. It's really important because we know that nationally, for example, in 2020, only 40% of victims of violence reported their harm to law enforcement. And reluctance to interact with police is particularly prevalent among those who hold marginalized identities. National research demonstrates that LGBTQIA plus victims are reluctant to report their harm to law enforcement because they're worried they're going to be discriminated against. And in New York City, queer youth have even reported harassment and extortion from police officers. Victims who are immigrants often fear that calling the police will result in the person who harmed them, who might be a loved one, being deported, or that they themselves will be deported or lose their pathway to citizenship. And Black and Brown victims are less likely to report their harm to law enforcement due to well founded distrust and fear. And when you look at a program that is contingent on comfortability with law enforcement in a country where Black people are three and a half times more likely than white people to be murdered by police, it's ultimately racially inequitable.
0: Well, why does it make sense to essentially create these alternative pathways as opposed to addressing the root concerns that you highlighted that might uh, deter someone from reporting a crime to law enforcement? Why shouldn't that be the emphasis about either rebuilding trust amongst law enforcement as well as uh, addressing the law enforcement practices uh, that have led to so much distrust or is that just too big of a issue to take on and that's something you can do in the long run and this is something that should be just done as a short-term solution
1: we know that victims and survivors need these funds now it's a really urgent issue they cannot wait any longer to get what they need and I'll also say that when we think about how to stop cycles of violence and how to increase community safety, because I think law enforcement relationships often come into the conversation there. One of the ways that we can increase community safety, that we can create healthier communities is to make sure that people have the financial relief that they need to heal. And that's what real public safety looks
0: like. A component of this legislation also extends the window for filing a victim compensation claim with the Office of Victim Services from one year to three years. Why is three years uh, the right threshold?
1: We at Common Justice, um, we're a victim service provider and an alternative to incarceration. We specialize in restorative justice. But we've seen just how nonlinear healing can be. It was one of our sponsor's colleagues who spoke on the record when the bill passed in the Senate the other day, who said, victims and survivors, there is no timeline, right? So with that being said, one year, which is the current uh, stipulation, is not enough. Folks need more time to process what happened to them. They need more time to understand also the financial implications of what happened to them. And we have that coupled as well with, with right now, there is one week to report your harm someone could still be in the hospital during that first week. It's a laughably short amount of time. It's an arbitrarily short amount of time, and that needs to be adjusted. So what the bill does is it increases that to a reasonable amount of time considering the circumstances, which is a common legal standard.
0: By expanding eligibility, obviously the idea is that more people will be able to take advantage of victim compensation funds. So does that mean the state will need to put more money aside for compensation if this legislation became law or is there a mechanism in place already to ensure that funding will always reflect the demand for it?
1: We wholeheartedly agree that more funding needs to be allocated to ensuring that victims and survivors needs are met and that the agencies that serve them are well resourced. But we also believe that reforms to the system cannot wait and that victims and survivors cannot wait for relief. So as we make them push for more funding, we need to simultaneously be breaking down barriers to access, especially
0: those that have an outsized effect on
1: Black and brown New Yorkers. Again, victims and survivors cannot wait.
0: So are you saying, though, then, if there is increased demand, that essentially the Office of Victim Services is going to have to triage in terms of... How it doles out money will have to be a first-come, first-served basis? Or is there reason to believe that everyone who submits a claim will somehow get uh, reimbursed?
1: Sure. So the Office of Victim Services has expressed that they need more funding to continue to keep pace with the amount of applications that are coming in. That all being said, it's difficult to determine, right, just how much money would be needed to account for perhaps more claims that are coming in. But for now, all we can ask for is equitable distribution while simultaneously advocating that more funds be provided to agencies and to survivors themselves.
0: Well, we've been speaking with Alice Hamlet. They're a senior policy manager for Common Justice. Alice, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local, state and federal government entities at WGPfoundation.org.